Welcome back to the third episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. I'm Dan Kozell here with Nick Tartaglia. How's it going, Nick? I am good. It's been, it's, I'd start to be really nice outside and I'm starting to feel way better than usual. I was outside for a while today, so I'm, I'm energized compared to usual, even though we're still quarantined. Yeah. So I think it's important to keep a social distance while getting exactly. your, your daily routine in, right? And it's obviously a gorgeous day here in uh, beautiful Montreal. So um, what we're going to do today is we're actually going to talk about something that I think gets underlooked by a lot of people. Um, the skill sets that are required for you to obviously take this stuff and apply it to investing. But we also want to talk about sort of the relevancy of this because, um, and I I think we can go back a few years, right? When, and again, we are not making this political at all. This is not the point of this, but we're going to talk about when Donald Trump was elected, the term fake news was being brought around like crazy. It almost seems like fake news was like the new chirp term to make fun of somebody who is basically spreading false information, right? Yeah. People are like, there's, it's like a negative perception behind the word but regardless of who said it there's still that concept still exists especially as telephones became more prominent as social media became more prominent as people could just speed fire random thoughts into the open uh, landscape for people to consume and then it just things spiral out of control right so and i think this is really going to be the theme of this quick episode that we're going to do is where are you actually getting your information from yeah And what are you using to validate it? Because we live in a time now, as Nick said, where, you know, the information just spreads so much faster. And And there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of information out there. And everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. And the biggest thing everybody loves to say is everybody has a right to their own opinion, which to an extent you always do. But you have to understand where you're coming in with that opinion of yours. Is it challenging? Absolutely. Is it challenging an academic community? Is it challenging experienced people? Is it challenging experts? Like you, your your perspective and opinion has weight, but to an extent, everyone's opinion will have different weighted value. Yeah, and I think it's also important to understand that when you're taking information as an investor, how are you going to apply that to your own strategy? Yeah. Right, so because- important. I'll I'll use Zoom. Exactly. I'll I'll use, I'll use sort of what's been going on in the stock market recently as an example, Zoom surged about, I think about 45% when the whole pandemic kind of started and then recently, and everyone was touting it. This is the next best thing. Yada, 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 buy it, buy it, buy it. People bought it at the top. What happened? Well, there was information that came out that said, hey, there's a privacy issue with that. Yeah. So look at at how people are responding now with uh, TikTok. But this has been going on for a little over a year, uh, half a year now, with this whole privacy issues with China. and But yet people are still putting everything out there. Everything, yeah. everything, everything. And again, we're not going to get political because this is not purpose of this episode at all. And we don't want anybody to take yeah. us as you know biased towards a certain thing. But I think it's also important to realize, okay, this is the world we live in. And I need to look at things very objectively before I start jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Right? So just, just like if we take a quick investor's perspective, okay. If we were to look at, for example, China, yes, obviously China is one of the biggest powerhouses in the world economically, without a doubt. So to say that you would like to start investing in China is a good idea in principle. It's a good idea. In principle. Yes. 
But then we start digging into the facts that, well, how does China operate? Are they, are they, are they properly listed? Are they following the same type of accounting rules as us? Are they held by regulators like the SEC? Are they accountable to shareholders the way we are here with North American companies? Uh, are they're clearly still somewhat of a communist country, even though they're still progressive in a way compared to a typical communistic country. So as much as I would love to touch that country because of their economic and the ability to continue to grow that economy, I won't touch it because everything I put into that economy is at risk. I'd rather indirectly have exposure through the bigger names that are here that have international exposure. One way or another, I'll get that exposure, but I'll just never have it directly. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way you said yeah, it too now. is no. exactly. But I think the way you said it too is, is, is quite, quite frankly, like you're hitting the nail on the coffin, right? I'll use Luckin coffee, which is uh, the exactly. Starbucks of China. I think this exactly. is the best example of you know, retail investors getting information saying, Oh, it's the Starbucks of China. I'm just going to buy it. And Without doing any, and I'm not saying like this is what happens, but I'm saying the people that probably bought at the top of that rally that they saw before it crashed like 90% uh, last week, um, they just bought under the assumption without doing their due diligence that, oh, China's a great market. China's adapting to coffee. It's the Starbucks of China. They have 5,000 locations. I'm just going to invest in it. And yeah. that is that is the worst kind of uh, bias that you can develop as an investor. Um, yeah, I believe it's exactly. I, it's a, I, I the bias is based on the assumption that because they're like Starbucks using the equivalent term that automatically they assume that they're going to get the same return and same long prospect as Starbucks. But the environment is entirely different. The landscape is different, that the regulations are different, that the investment landscape, like there's so many other variables that make you, that make you have to readjust your perspective on that stock. Yeah. And I think it's called a selection bias too, right? Cause you're not actually taking, you know, into consideration, okay, what other variables play into this. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's also the fact that people don't understand, like as much as one thing you hear a lot from people who are trying to get into investing in general is where do you start? There is so much out there. It is a learning curve without a doubt. If you're going to play the speculative game, entering China and directly putting your capital into Chinese companies is in, in a form of shape for me, speculation, because of the fact that they're not held to the same standards as they are here. As we see with, as you just saw with the, it's Lucky, right? The, the company? Luck and Coffee, ticker LK. Luck and Coffee. So what happened? What was their issue? They, they falsified what? Revenues. Right, right. I, there's, they, 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 yeah, there was a lot of fraud. They, they basically made up a bunch of numbers on their financial statements to make it seem like they were much bigger than they were. Exactly. So investors were obviously excited about that. And um, so, obviously yeah. so last over week, there, so. so normally what happens over here is you'll have big accounting companies as auditors, which is why we need CPAs within the investment world, because they're like the trust system. They ensure that the information that comes out is valid. Therefore, we can trust it, and then we can apply a proper decision towards it. Without them, everything becomes it becomes chaos. So then if you look over there, you're assuming that, well, either one, that there's no landscape where to provide validation on the information they're putting out, or two, that even their accounting companies who are supposed to validate the information are basically lying to or being paid off or something of that nature that just allows them to so easily falsify information to that level. Yeah. So 
again, um, from an investor standpoint, it's a valid point. And there's been a lot of these. Um, cannabis is another example. CanTrust uh, just got filed for bankruptcy protection. You and I follow the cannabis space since it was yeah. starting back. Dean. That um, story is a crazy one. Yeah. It's crazy. We won't go into the details, <laughs> no, no, but no. They, another, they, another episode one day. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about marijuana another time, but I think it's really important now to take sort of, okay, how is this a, uh, you know, when you take information with just a small amount of due diligence, when you don't look at it objectively, when you take that decision and you apply it to your investment choices that you make, you will get hurt. Okay. Uh, yeah. We've, we've, We've experienced this. Nick, Nick, I'm sure has experienced this before. I've had plenty nope. of losses for significant misinterpretations right. or not realizing that you. It's, it's also about staying in tune with the information as it comes out because as information continues to come out, it shifts the reality of what you're doing. Yeah. And um, I think the only way that we learned our lesson was by actually doing it. So of Especially it, if there's and, and, one... Yeah. I was just going to say, like, yeah. I know this sounds obvious to most people, but what we want to do here is basically provide other examples that are not necessarily related to the investment world that yeah, need to just, be thought of critically right now. Just because- in general, yeah. Because people need to just, it's just having an open perspective on anything. Don't ever assume what you see or hear is accurate. But then again, understand where the information is coming from to give it more weight, to allow it to shape your perspective more. But you should still be open to other perspectives changing that. Exactly. You should exactly. never be fixed. You should never yeah. be fixed on a single thought permanently. Never, 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 never. The moment you do that, you've destroyed, you've destroyed like, your, your options. You've destroyed your ability to continue to learn and discuss. And It's also a bit maybe in uh, your credibility too as a professional or as an individual. Especially for us, right? Being in this game, if we're going to do this, if this is what we want to do, this is the careers we're building, this is the brand we're building, we want to be respected. We have to live in that world of somewhat neutrality and really just assess actual information regardless of what our personal opinion may necessarily be, even though we can share it. But what should be the primary focus is always the the specific neutral information that has been validated and peer-reviewed and assessed and and supported by other evidence. Yeah, no, you're you're <laughs> on the ball. So so here's what we're gonna do because I, I think Nick, you wrote a you wrote a quick blog post um, yeah. about 5G. And before exactly. we jump into that, um, I think it's important that we kind of understand okay why we're doing this, why we're gonna have this discussion. Um, there has been a lot of misinterpretation, you know, mis- hatred. I would say a lot of hatred. Too. I would say hatred too. Um, now again, I'm not agreeing. I'm not disagreeing at all. What I'm saying is what I'm seeing. And that is a lot of people on Facebook, a lot of people on social media are saying that this 5g tower system is causing coronavirus. Okay. Yeah. That's one example. The whole 5G theme is causing people to go nuts. And the people that are going nuts, and with all due respect, if you're listening, I apologize, but those same people are the ones that are waiting for something to happen and are not thinking critically and just get information and make an opinion about it. And they make that opinion publicly, which the moment you do that, Yes. You're now putting your ability to be respected for your thought process on the line. 
Exactly. So it, it, it lowers your credibility too as an individual. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about this because a lot of people are saying 5G is bad. 5G is causing coronavirus. 5G is the future. 5G is this. I personally, and I'll be fully honest right now, I have not dug deep enough into this. What I understand about 5G is that it's actually going to allow us to speed up connectivity between people. It's going to enable faster transferring of data and information between us. That's all I know. I right now have no opinion on it. Right. Yeah. So if you were to look at it, if you were to look at it from uh, a technological perspective, it's just an evolution or a process. We went from those old phones so long ago that where you had to use dial-ups and you had to call into operators who would connect you with people. And then it led to telephone homes and led to those old school mobile phones. Then they became little cell phones. Then it became smartphones. There's a process to the entire communication industry and the way we communicate and the way we speak. There's an evolution process, but the foundation of much of that technology remains the same. 5G is an evolutionary process. It's stepping up from where we already were. A lot of experts believe that because of the fact that it's based on the same fundamental technology, we still somewhat understand the technology overall, even though it's the landscape that's about to create is gonna be new and different. Now, most experts will not say it is not bad. They will not use the word no, never. What they will say is that the current evidence that exists is not strong enough, is not credible enough, there's not enough of it to support a real consensus that it is bad. There's just not as, there isn't as much of it. Another opinion or some studies talk about is the fact that there's a lot of increased brain cancers, for example, in the increase of telephone usage, uh, smartphone and stuff. But then if you look at the, uh, the WHO, the World Health Organization, their sub-department when it comes to cancers is the IARC. By the way, guys, if you want to read a little more on the specific topic, just go on uh, our website, newgenmonset.com, go to blogs, and my first, the first article we've posted is there, which we'll continue doing, but that's the first one. So the uh, IARC, what they do normally is they gather experts from across the globe and they do uh, analysis. They take evidence from everywhere. And as a community, as a scientific community of a bunch of experts who have credibility, who have a reputation, who spend their lives studying these things, they, they had a consensus on 5G of that. that it was classified to be implying that it could have a relation, but that in the current moment, there is not enough and significant evidence to support the claim. So when we look at brain cancers, they also had done back in the day, a study between 1999 and 2015 that looked at the increase of brain cancers in the population. And throughout that, 15, 16 year period, they saw almost no increase in overall brain cancers. Yet over that period of time, we've significantly increased our communication capabilities and for and infrastructure. We've developed our telephones to on a whole other level to be able to use it at our, at our ears next to our head all day long. And our population has increased significantly yet the numbers remain somewhat consistent. So right there alone, that's another little piece of evidence that shows that we're, there's something either missing or we're not looking at it properly, but the, the conclusion cannot be claimed yet. Plus, when we look at it from another perspective, some of the smartest people, some of the smartest companies, the biggest governments, they're all implementing these things. They want to implement it. 
would they put themselves at risk? Would they put their children at risk? Are they just evil people who are trying to kill themselves with everybody around them? Because at the end of the day, if they're, if they're choosing to ignore the reality that the 5G is actually back, if that's the reality, if that's the case, let's take the perspective that they are just saying, yes, this technology is bad. Why would they continue to implement it knowing that it's going to kill them? Because if this is something that's going to affect overall physical health and it's hazardous to the overall body, that means everybody is in danger. Nobody's uh, safe. I'm going to use, uh, just to interrupt you, I'm yeah, going to go, use, go. I'm, I'm use nuclear energy as an example because I think this is a prime example of something that many people get wrong. Yeah. Um, and Which nuclear energy... Nuclear energy is the cleanest energy on the planet. Okay. Yeah, probably the most efficient. And the most efficient. I, you know, I'm, I'm getting this too from my father who is a nuclear scientist and he knows fully well that the only reason there's a negative stigma attached to nuclear energy is because of what happened to Chernobyl and Fukushima, right? In, in Japan. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the, with, it, it has some, the technology, like it, guys, if you want to, if you want to learn more about that nuclear energy, you can also go, Get that information from Bill Gates himself, who through his foundation tries to find ways to just create a more efficient world with medication and access to information and energy. And uh, so he's focusing a lot on nuclear energy. He, he, he also predicted a pandemic would yeah, exactly. devastate the world. So, so I think I everybody's listening. I would consider him a valid, a valid source and a credible source. Exactly. Like Bill Gates is somebody that I think most people should really start paying attention yeah. to. And that is a guy who, and it's beauty. The beauty about it is it's on Netflix too. So I'm sure a lot of people are on Netflix oh, yeah, right that now. Was, so. That was, that was a great series about Bill Gates. So, so, so yeah, let's go to continue. Let's, wait, just continue on the topic quickly for uh, nuclear energy. It's Bill Gates loves it. He says it. I love it. But the issue is the technology is so old and it's so man labored that it's so hard to shift it it's too intensive in terms of man labor and it's complicated with that. The whole use of how we extract energy has to be shifted for us to progress forward with it because it's still very complicated. Right. So that's well, it's also, it's, it's also a lot of pressuring and, yeah. you know, mechanical stuff that needs to go into it. So it's very it complex. Has, it it's, has extremely, it's, it it's has extremely, it's, it's extremely, it's extremely complex and scientific, but I think let's, let's yeah. go back to 5g though. Cause this has yeah. been, again, this is the topic everybody's talking about. Everyone's, you know, shitting on it. Excuse my language, but um, we, we had 1g come out in the eighties and seventies and uh, that's been a progress. And what I've realized too, is anytime us humans make progress, people who don't want to make progress are creating this wheel of rumors that are not true. And uh, maybe you could talk about another example that you Or that hold a percentage of truth. That hold like a little sliver of truth that is easily manipulated. And then because of social media, it's, it just spirals out of control. Exactly. Exactly. Because it's, and, it's exponential yeah. growth. It's vi and, and <laughs> viral most, feed, basically. And most people use what as their main source, especially with the newer generations. Again, millennials, our generation. Forget the baby boomers. A lot of them tend to use more you know, news networks. But for us, most of our credible source of information, I put that in quotation marks, is social media platforms. Instagram, Twitter, yeah. uh, Snapchat, whatever people feed out there, it gets absorbed. And that's not going to change. 
Anybody well, that thinks that that is going to change, if anything, that's a progression into where we're going, right? The mindset, our mindset would have to shift for us to be able to weave through that, that storm of information to pick out what is more credible. But we learned this stuff in high school, you know? We learned this in school, how to go about picking valid. We did it with the internet. I mean, it should still apply fundamentally to the same way we go about reading our information, our news, that, that same principle should apply. Who is it publishing it? Do they have bias? Like I, like let's have, let's do a Let's like, what are your favorite business sources or in general, what are your favorite news sources? So anything that provides objective data is stuff that I will look for. Now, full disclaimer, politically, I have my own view. I know a lot of people who know me know what I stand for. I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. That's not the point of this. What I will say is that there, you know, it, for finance in particular, I think Bloomberg as a source yeah. does a very good job of reporting things very objectively. Clean and clear, yeah. like a phase value. They're like a balance sheet, you know, like uh, as, exactly. of this day, as of this date, this is what it is. If you yes. want like a management discussion, now you go over and you look at CNBC. Yes. CNBC and is heavily dialogue based conversations, opinions, perspectives, experts. And that's where you, if you're going to watch that, it can be overwhelming because you get a lot of perspectives. Yeah. And that to me, if I'm an investor is probably the most credible source. I pay for it because they give you everything and you get the magazine yeah. too. I've got magazines. Wait, Bloomberg, Bloomberg is the largest database. Most financial institutions in the world will use the Bloomberg uh, database. Yeah. Most private, most banks, they, it, it has everything. And I think that I just got to tell my buddy to stop texting me for two seconds because <laughs> it's getting annoying. But um, what was I going to say? No, I, I like Bloomberg. Like you said, CNBC is, is a fantastic tool um, that provides it more objectively. BNN Bloomberg gives you kind of Canada's, you know, whole spiel. Uh, Globe and Mail is another good one. Although I try to veer away from the opinion side of that. I just take yeah. what is given objectively um, because they tend to be biased towards one side. And I, I, anything that I read that's biased towards one thing, I, I read that with a grain of salt usually. Um, yeah. And that's what you need to be doing. So um, let, yeah, let's go back to 5G though. So like what, yeah. what is it about 5G that's like kind of pissing people off? Well, from what they, you've read and what you've understood about so it, objectively, biggest, of course. Yeah. So a lot of people, well, not to say a lot of people, but there are some studies, again. See, the thing is, when you look at the studies in general, you have to understand what is the perspective of the study, what's the environment they're doing it, because if they're not very specific in what they're trying to conclude, it can be easily misinterpreted a study. Easily. That's, yeah. that's why, that's why that's studies... That's bi biases start coming in, exactly. That's why studies must be peer-reviewed and must be done as a collective in terms of collectively gathering a bunch of evidence and then collectively as a community this deciding on a conclusion that should not be fixed but as a, like a balance sheet as of this date and time everything we've done everything we have this is what the statement says yeah so the community of scientists are not saying no they're still open to continuing the research 5g and its potential harm but as of right now, based on their understanding as experts and based on countless, like the FCC, the CDC, I refer to them. I have, I put four or five different sources with quotation, uh, making statements, and they use the word not enough evidence, not significant, not yet. It's not no, it's not yet or not significant. The th 
the perspective can change. And the beauty of a scientific community is that, and the integrity of it, is it's never fixed on one, uh, one thought. As information comes out, like an investor, as information comes out, as evidence comes out, your perception of, of the topic shifts with it. Just like a story with any company. As information comes out, you have to progress with it. You have to evolve. If you don't, if you stay fixed two years behind and new information tells you the management sucks or that the, the, the look in their coffee are falsifying, uh, yeah. Luckin falsifying, coffee. Yeah. They're, they're falsifying revenues, but you're not selling the stock. Well, now there's something wrong. Right. Uh, in terms of just like, you know, using the information objectively for yeah. investing, you got to yeah. be on top of things, right? Yeah. And I'm not, this is, I'm, no. go, go, go. I was just going to say, this, this is, this is what it means. Like what we're talking about, okay, proactive investing means yeah. that, okay, you might not be the most tech savvy. Like I'm not a gamer. I'm not a tech savvy individual. Like I use my iPhone. I use my laptop. But the one thing that I do is I keep esports on my periphery or I keep the 5G stuff on my periphery because I understand that this is stuff and, and, and digital, you know, uh, it's part of the landscape. It's part of exactly. It's going to shift how everything is done. And the moment you start resisting to that change, you're done. It's over. And right? to being open to other information and other perspectives that might challenge you. You should never yeah. be fixed on an opinion. If you're fixed on your own opinion that can never be wavered or changed in this type of context, when it comes to business, when it comes to science, when it comes to technology, your opinion should never be fixed. Like Bruce Lee says, you know, you have to be like water. <laughs> you have to shift to move around with the information. Let it shape you. Do not shape the information. Yeah, there's also a really good book too. It's called uh, Thinking Fast, Slow, right? I think it's by Daniel uh, Kahneman or Kahneman. I apologize if I mispronounced that. But in that book, it talks about sort of objective critical thinking as part of your process. Like you need to have that. And I think one of the things that we saw uh, with 5G though is like because there was certain sources that were completely biased to one side, reporting on news feeds on social media people just are assuming hey let me be that person that's just gonna gossip anytime you see somebody who's gossiping about something that probably uh wasn't thought of objectively um to me that that's just like i i, I have to my my inner instinct is like i gotta call this person out but at the same time it's like no like there's no need for that just ignore that person you're probably doing something right now to get ahead of that person while they're too busy you know soaking in and trying to rationalize why this is happening you know so it's important to know why it's happening from a technical and you know a fundamental standpoint but from a you know, an opinion feeling process that it doesn't do you any good. I find, I don't know if you agree no. with that. Nick. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. So <laughs> it's, we're, it's, it's fascinating because even though we're progressing on so many, in, on so many levels of society from technology to intellectuality, whatever you want, we're progressing in other ways. Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're using, I mean, <laughs> Not to, not to shit on the world, but we, we, it took a global pandemic for us to realize like where are, you know, what areas we were lacking in and what areas of, of strengths we could succeed in, right? 
And so, going back to the Corona from that. So if we, because we don't even trust, we, we don't, because we have such a bad mistrust of China, but I wouldn't say bad because I mean, it's kind of warranted. <laughs> but because of the lack of trust that we have between China and basically almost near the, the rest of the world, when China started coming out with this, although we have no idea when they came out with it, was as soon as it started or it took some weeks before they announced anything or what they're well, saying was true or their numbers are true. But by the time we processed it over here, well, shit, we were really slow to process that information and act on it. Right. And I, I, guess, I guess we'll talk about this too now because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's on everyone's mind. Um, yeah. I think the wrong thing to do is, and there's a lot of conspiracies going on right now. I think the wrong thing to do is to say, this is all of China's fault. Therefore, I can be an, a dick to Chinese people um, because that we're seeing a surge. It's 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 yeah. it's a whole it's, it's a whole yeah. it's a sensitive topic. Although you got to look at it objectively, right? And Nick, you touched on it. We know based on data now, and I waited too. I saw the virus come out in January. I was like, "Well, what yeah. the hell? Like, what is this?" I didn't actually formulate sort of what I thought about it until recently, and this only came about by doing my own research, right? Through objective sources, of course. You know, the Bloombergs, there was, there's some medical sources out there as well. And uh, they really brought attention to the fact that they had known about it since um, November. And there were certain actions taken by the government. And again, I don't want the government to be a representation of the people. That's not what it is. But the actions taken by the government that a lot of people are saying, okay, we really need to identify our practices which is the right thing to do. I think as individuals and I think as people from our own respective locations in the world, I think people should objectively look at the situation and say, okay, what is happening right now? Why am I in this situation? And what can I do moving forward to make it better? You know what I mean? There's, again, we're not billionaires. I think billionaires are doing a great job right now donating some of their salaries. Sure. You know, Jeff if Bezos donating. There's a billion one thing. I would always rather give my money to the billionaires who they themselves continue to develop this society more than the government itself. I would rather give them my money then I would rather give the Bill Gates Foundation more money than anything. <laughs> now, that, now, now, now we're getting political haters. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I, I, get, not, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I respect I would that. Still, I, would, I would still want to give the government money. Why? Because we still need it for our infrastructure and the overall society. 100%. But our, I believe in general, because of the way the system seems to be, it's too inefficient. And because it's inefficient, it needs to consume more of our tax dollars to kind of cover that inefficiency whereas billionaires and big companies they're efficient machines so they know how to be practical with that dollar they're putting it to work better well right because they 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 understand what opportunity cost is yeah it's the theory there that i that we use as a description there homo economicus uh homo economicus the theory that an economic agent normal and usually it's referring to a human within an economic society but agent right yeah, exactly. Agent, but the yeah. principle still applies within a company or so on that it acts to maximize utility as a consumer and profit as a producer. Right. And that's just basic economics. I mean, this is what Ray Dalio talks about too, right? The big yeah. economic machine. 
you know, short debt, uh, long-term debt cycle, productivity, and the short-term debt cycle. By the way, everybody, please go watch that video. I, I know we mentioned it on the first episode. It's called How the Economic Machine Works. It is very objective in, and, uh, and it presents to you the economy in a very objective way. And that obviously ties it to how the thinking is done by most yeah. of these people. So I want to just, uh, we'll wrap this up real quickly. Um, but I think the most important thing now, you know, going into sort of the uncertainty that we're still in, going forward into a new economy or, you know, a shift, a major shift in the economy. Like what is one thing that listeners can do right now such that when they come out of this, their thinking is much sharper or they've gotten rid of old habits where they're like, I'm just going to listen to this person and judge off that opinion. Like what it's critical thinking, right? But like, what's one thing Yo. that they could do right now? <laughs> Honestly, I, I would say because of what's happening, I think that reading more and reading more credible information would do people so much more value in their life, especially for millennials. Because right. that compounding, that compounding of proper information and reading more is just it'll it'll exponentially just continue to grow. Or or listen to an audiobook. Like you're an audiobook type of guy, right? I'm more yeah, of like I'll, I'll I'll read a book. Yes, exactly. I'm more. Yeah. I'd rather have a discussion to learn. I'd rather listen to a, a documentary. I'd rather listen to a, a business news. Like I, I I like to listen and engage with the information audio wise rather than yeah. visually. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I like that too, but I like reading books, you know, like I, that's, I find when you read a book, you're able to get the right information from there. Yeah. Um, and it, it kind of opens up a new way of thinking too. Like you say, Oh, I never thought that that was possible, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's, again, the we're not of that's the beauty of having an open mind and yeah. being in a landscape where there's so much data. It's that without an open mind, you cannot consume that data because then you're biased to an already predisposed objective or predisposed thought that makes yeah. you selectively pick and read only information that you want to read to avoid negativity or at least that what you think is negativity in your brain. But it's just a clash of ideas. So I think the one thing that the listeners should review today and this is important is there's 25 types of biases out there, right? And there's a lot of them and it's very important that people understand this. I have to sometimes go back to these because what it does is it, obviously I read it the first time I have a one way of looking at it. And then the next time I read it, I have a different way of looking at it. But at the same time, it's putting those two thoughts that I had together and saying, Oh, that makes sense. Right. You know, as an investor, as an investor, let's take it a beautiful example. If we're not, if we're not, if we don't have capital in, an, in a position and we see something come out, we're going to be probably far more objective than the moment we have capital in that specific holding and then information comes out. Why? Because there's no skin in the game. So we're going to be as objective as possible. But the moment our skin is in that game, now you're clashing with emotions. Now you're clashing with psychology. And that's when it becomes a little bit chaotic. And then that's when you, you're your real test to analyze and be critical and to proactively make a decision off of what you're reading. That's where you're being tested. Yeah. And it's, it's the most important thing to look at. Um, 
again, you can literally go on Google and type in the, the 25 different biases that are out there. Um, we're going to actually post that on our website. I think it's really important. I have, I have something that I want to, we website. have, we have a forum. We, we can use the forum to post things. Yeah. So, so go to our website, www.newgenmindset.com under the forums tab. There's a lot of great yeah, stuff. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to have to subscribe, but you can connect through your Facebook. So it's really nothing complicated. Yeah. And then also sign up for our newsletter too. Um, yeah, we're going to be, po- we're going to be, we're, we're going to be posting uh, weekly stuff, mostly on just the mindset of investing too and looking at information, but also yeah. providing you with some details on what's going on in the markets. Because I think, yeah. again, that's, we, we're, we're, we love to provide you sort of Because our- we, we're, not, we're not necessarily biased to anything out there other than potentially, obviously, our own positions. But right now, nobody's paying us to do anything. So right now, we're doing what we need to do because we're just trying to provide information and assess things the way we believe to be done properly. I think it was also, what's his name? Charlie Munger was the guy. Um, he was with the bias stuff. He had like a whole list of that. He, he mentions that in, in one of his books uh, about that. But again, it's, it's really important that you guys understand what this is because this yeah. just determines how far you can get as an investor. And I think how far you can get to achieving your own, your own goals. So I'm um, going to, you know what I want to do just to, before we finish it off, I want to do something to leave some, something in somebody in everybody's heads so that when they're done with this, it's, it's in their brain and they actively go out and try to figure out if that information is true or not. So there's two subjects. Okay. One of them, which I refer to it in my, uh, my blog post there about 5g is the example of GMOs. Now is GMOs bad? Is it good? Or is it just simply a marketing ploy? Go find that out. You'll be really surprised if you're someone who believes that GMOs are bad for us because a lot of products that are, a lot of products, you buy them on the shelves at stores, you see GMO free or non GMO, but just go seek out the information. You're going to see the reality of that. Second thing, which is not necessarily a marketing ploy, but more just, somehow a complete misconception based on rumors and people's personal beliefs is shaving. Somehow a lot of people still to this day believe that shaving your hair makes your hair grow thicker and faster. Now, if that was so the case, people would be shaving left and right, especially as men, we'd be curing baldness. We would have more facial hair. There's go, go look it out. You go look at the information and the evidence and you'll see that there's a, huge consensus that doesn't really agree with most people's opinion on this subject. I, I don't, I don't know about shaving. Cause I mean, we're, 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 ma- we're men. So we ought to shave every freaking week. Yes, but, we to, but, but. <laughs> all it is is because there, the principle of the science is this, they're saying that by shaving somehow you're, 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 you're generating new hair cells. You're not generating new hair cells. All you're doing is cutting a pre-existing hair cell that already exists. You're cutting it in half. And then at the base of the hair cell, it's thicker. So as it's as the, at the bottom, when you're touching it, it, it feels thicker and rougher, but as this grows out, it becomes thinner and thinner. So then it feels soft again. As, but, as you're saying that I'm like touching my beard right now. <laughs> trying to understand. <laughs> like, oh God, right? I got I got to shave when, right now. <laughs> when a guy's facial hair or the head is really thin, it feels more scruff. It feels rougher. But once yeah. the hair is long, it feels silkier, smoother because all it is is length difference. Just creates a, pers- a different tactile perspective that people get confused about. What's, and it's still a, yeah, go. what's, what's, uh, what's one, I, I know cause we could keep talking about this for a while, but what's, what's one other type of, you know, thing that everybody is just so, you know, 
reluctant to say that, oh, this is the reason why we have, you know, CO2 gases in the air that are causing people to say, oh, we actually have a global warming problem, right? Like, I don't know what you think about that, but what, I, what I've read is the following, and I've spoken to people who are scientists, okay? The earth, te- the earth will shift temperatures every certain thousand years, Okay. The only reason we have accelerated, um, you know, gas emissions. I don't the know what that noise so, is. So What's that noise, though, in the background? <laughs> mine? Is it mine? Yeah, it was, I think oh, it was you in the pen. Oh, but hold on, hold on. Let me, no, let me, well, probably, yeah, it was the pen. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so stop that for two seconds. But let me finish my thought here. So, st- like, CO2 and NO2 emissions have, yeah. been, have been skyrocketing in parts of Asia for the last like 10 years and we have this pandemic that happens, right? What happens to the, what happens to the CO2 emissions? Well, nobody's on the street. Nobody is driving. Nobody is working. Nobody's bus. There's less consumption of fuel, right? You know, so again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying global warming is not true. What I'm saying is, wait a minute. If we have so much exposure to gases, aren't we as a society responsible for the emissions of these things? Of course. Right? So there's, there's, there's obviously life cycles for everything, even when it comes to temperatures and shifting of stuff, how obviously thousands of years ago, landscape was different than it is today, maybe colder, maybe hotter, whatever the case may be. And of course, there's a natural process to it. But us being humans and the way we consume things, we obviously speed up certain timelines. We also cut down a lot of trees. Cutting down a lot of trees is what eats up a lot of the carbon dioxide and cleans out the pollution. But cutting down a lot of trees, increasing carbon emissions, you know, you're getting, uh, there's an imbalance that occurs. And then the fact that we require so much land for for our beef industry, which is a huge part, again, of our, our carbon emission, plays another huge role. But then again, if you're someone who hates it and, and believes that there should be a complete shift in the way we consume and the way we should be working towards a better future on a uh, climate perspective, if you're consuming beef every day, you're adding to the problem. So you're being a little bit of a hypocrite. So be careful sure. how you weigh your opinion. Be careful how you speak about the subject because if you're someone who's strong about it, but yeah, you eat beef every day, you're just as guilty as the person next to you. 100%. So you're, that's why when you talk about subjects, you have to be careful how you approach it. And you have to be more objective than opinionated. Right. Uh, and again, I'm not saying that climate change is not a problem. What I'm saying is that maybe it's, you know, the actions of what we're doing on a daily basis that is contributing to the overall effect, right? Um, and Rather again, than, yeah. that, that, that's the two parallels too right. that I think you and I have seen with global warming and GMOs. I think even gluten was another one right? Gluten-free products were deemed healthy. No, it wasn't. Those were designed for, again, that's another conversation, but those were designed for people who had celiac disease, right? Yes, exactly. So there's, there, there is, there, it does, it is true that eating gluten does create some inflammation in your bowels, but it doesn't harm you. Now it is true that not eating gluten can make you feel less bloated. That is true, which is why if you look at eating like for me, for example, normally when I was always going to the gym, one of my, I would always prefer eating a lot more rice than gluten because yeah. rice, I could consume far more of it and feel less of an impact on my gut. 
but yeah. it, it, but it never hurt me. You can still right, enjoy pasta. Right, but you're also not a celiac, right? Ce- no, exactly. I, no, I eat, I'm Italian. I eat plenty so. of pasta day in and day out my entire life. It's part of my freaking life. <laughs> Man. But, <laughs> exactly. But I prefer <laughs> overall, if I'm going to eat a lot of carbs, I'd rather eat more rice than pasta just because yeah. it's easier to process. Yeah, yeah. And I think, again, this, these are just, again, these are just examples of topics that people need to start looking at objectively because it, 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 it translates into your investment style. You know, that type of thinking will translate into, okay, let me pick the stock because, you know, so-and-so, the Starbucks of China, Luckin Coffee, look what happened. You know, did you actually do your due diligence or did you buy into the hype that it's the Starbucks of China, right? It's a confirmation bias. It's Here, a selection a- bias. Here's another thing. Okay. So for some reason, you know how we, you know, perfect example, actually, I think it's a really good example. Normally in the landscape, we always say sell high, buy low, correct? That's a typical perspective you need to have or as an buy, investor. Buy low, sell high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to, if you're going to be a trader more in the sense there or, but yeah, exactly. Buy low, sell high. But so one another a perfect example was in this entire landscape, some of the biggest companies to have the biggest hit was ones related to the travel industry and the tourism. Is specifically airlines, okay? Biggest hit. Now, they took a bigger hit than typical companies because of capital constraints, buyout, because of their margins, because of the fact that their future outlook is completely shifted. Because they well, have they're also res- they also burn about like fifty to seven million dollars a day in cash, right? So oh, it, it, their margins are so thin. So fundamentally, as a story and as an industry whole, I don't really like it to begin with. But so people took that the simple perspective. Buy low, sell high. They took that simple perspective. They saw that, let's say Air Canada takes a 50% hit. Microsoft takes a 25% hit. Ooh, let me go buy Air Canada instead of Microsoft. Just because, well, my Apple, uh, because Air Canada took a 50% hit. But your all-time high target is not, it, it won't be the same because their story fundamentally has completely changed. Microsoft almost hasn't. If anything, this is going to make them more desirable and make them bigger. But I think that's called, to- I think, I think that's called over optimism tendency. And that's, that's actually one of the biases that, uh, that Warren they're, they're Buffett fo- talks about too. They're, they're, they're focusing on a short term return, but the perspective, but they're not realizing that that short term perspective they're looking at is false because yeah. Air Canada to go back to an all time high within a year is almost unlikely. Microsoft to go back to an all time high within a year, not that it is likely, but it's way more likely than Air Canada. Of, of course, because they, the, the, you have to take it. And I think we'll end it with this particular example because yeah. it's related to investing. But since we're talking about stocks now is um, Air Canada too, and to your point, is capital intensive, right? So their margins are so tight. And, and I find this is the thing that many people who are not necessarily like savvy investors understand is yes. Okay. You put it in a position, you buy it at $13. Air Canada, I think is at $16 now. Great. The reality is the return on your equity in that position is much smaller now because all that cash that they're using through their, you know, uh, uh, through, through the, through shareholders buying the stock, you're not actually getting a return for your buck. And the fact that now they're cutting forecasts about 90%, okay, means that you're not going to see a return on your equity for two years. And now, here's don't get me wrong. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Go don't go me, don't yeah, get me wrong, go, go, go. If you have a 10-year time horizon, go ahead, buy it. But the problem is we're such short-sighted people that to me, it's like, okay, I'm going to wait five years. I'm going to wait three years. Air Canada to me, and I, again, to you, just doesn't seem like a rational investment. Whereas no. Microsoft, 
Microsoft now is is operating. It's operating like a utility company. Like it's an infrastructure. Utilities are an infrastructure play. Because we're shifting more and more to the cloud, which is a new type of infrastructure. A new type of utility. utility. Microsoft provides that infrastructure. Microsoft is basically a play on the future outlook of entire infrastructure. Same thing with uh, Amazon and. That's what these companies are. So I just want to make a quick comment to Air Canada. So if you're going to play the long game on Air Canada, one perspective that has to be weighed on is the fact that if you look at their past cash flow, so the last decade, I believe it was, saying that most, was it like 90%, I think it came out there on Bloomberg or CNBC or both probably, that most of their free cash flow from their operations was going towards their uh, bio packages. So they were artific- primarily using a lot of the free cash flow to buy back shares. To, to buy back shares, yes. Yeah, artificially right. increasing it. Now, artificial, artificially increasing your shares by doing buybacks is part of most companies' strategy. But it's a right, part because, of it. because they, they have to pay the, they have to pay the dividend, right? Well, they've, they've got well, to pay. So, if you, so you could say that if I'm going to play a dividend strategy, buying out more stock, makes allows you to pay out less down the line because you'll have less outstanding shares in the market. Right. But those, those same people are still getting, they, the, the reason they buy back their shares, right. Is so that they can end up paying out their, their, their dividend, right. They're able to have that as, as a, as a restriction, right. They don't want to, they don't want to dilute like, cause what happens is that it doesn't dilute the shares, right. It restricts so it, the shares. It, it decreases the amount of shares on the open exactly. market. It doesn't which dilute artificially, it. Which artificially boosts it, individual exactly. stock up. But so yes. now what we're saying is now if Air Canada and all the other line, airlines are to get, to get buyouts. Okay. Right. Which, so if they're going to continue to Seems survive because of tax point. dollar, yes. they're going to be given tax dollars. Okay. To continue to survive. The question is, do we, should the government allow them to continue putting a lot of their capital towards buybacks, which is their primary strategy for inflating their stock price? Yeah. If they can't do that in the future because of the fact that they were given capital do- tax dollars, which will come with certain rules and guidelines that they will have to abide because this is tax dollar, not shareholder value uh, money, nor private equity loans, none of it. Because it's tax dollars, if they cannot continue that strategy of buybacks, what is the future outlook for their stock appreciation? In an industry that has a hard tendency to grow because it kind of seems to have peaked and and it's pretty complicated in terms of margins, very, very, because it has a very, very complicated operational uh, industry. You need an airplane, which is freaking capital intensive to build. Uh, oil, you need to travel, you need to hold on to weight. It, it's, an, it's a capital intensive industry with small margins, with don't, a strategy. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong though. If you do have a long-term time horizon, I'm yes. thinking like 10 years from now, if you're okay with parking your money in Air Canada, go ahead. Okay, but I, but, wouldn't, you, I, but I wouldn't, personally, I would not want it to be a large portion of my portfolio. No, exactly. Exactly. hundred percent agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so I think, it, it, yeah, you go ahead, man. No, that's it. So like, it, it, it's crazy just how we go about into a bias, into a perspective, how it manipulates the way we invest, how it, it manipulates the way we consume information, how we go about establishing our opinions and opening us up to dialogue information and how we interpret it is so important for our lives, our, our money, 
our, our careers, our, our friendships, it just uh, the people we have conversations with, the beauty of networking, the reason why we love to network is because we get to talk to people. If I yeah. had an opinion that was, if I didn't have an open mind, I could never connect with people. Absolutely. And that, uh, that's, that's so, honestly, that is so important right now, especially, uh, you know, going into a time where, again, there's going to be a lot of, there will be a lot of hatred. That's the problem with, with what's happening. There's going to be, and again, I'm not pointing fingers. I know you're not pointing fingers, but it, it helps to have an open mind, right? With what's yeah. happening. And if you don't have an open mind in this basically new world that we're going to be entering, it's going to kill you. Okay. Not actually kill you, but it's your progress to connect and build something and obviously become a proactive investor. It's going to destroy you. There's nothing wrong with not knowing something and there's nothing wrong with wanting to learn new information. Yeah, absolutely. No, I didn't create the information. You didn't create the information. We're consumers. We should be objective. It's about taking the data and then trying to amplify it into our decision making. 100%. Not about not about saying, oh, I made up this information. I got to stick to it. No, there's no right. need to stick. Just be open to to new stuff Here, that's just changing. And and here's another thing too. I know we're. I mean, we can go on for for hours with this. <laughs> but here's 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 just one thing that um I've learned too, just from the last like, you know, ten years of like getting into this is you are never going to have a hundred percent of the information needed to make a decision ever. Okay. Your decision-making is on your ability to take 70% of the available information that's out there. Use your critical thinking, use your objectivity, use your open mind to make a rash decision. Yeah, right. Especially and then, in just, investing. then also just go for it. But with investing too, make sure you have, 70% of the information. You'll never have a hundred percent of it. There's no because way. Think it, here, uh, Unless you're an insider and the guy calls you and says, Hey, Air Canada is going up 25% by the stock. Now you put a million dollars next thing, you know, um, exactly. SEC, RCMP. Think of it going, as whatever. a retail investor, we do not truly know the future of anything because it's the future. If, if you were able to predict the future, you'd be successful in everything you freaking do in this world, but we can't. So in everything you do, there's a sense of speculation to it, a sense of assumption based right. on how you consume your information and which information you consume. And then there's the whole, are you good with puzzles? Are you good with putting things together? That's a whole other aspect of investing. But yeah. you can never be 100% accurate on everything because everything's about the future. And the future is always an open-ended question. Yep. And that's the beauty about what we're doing, man. So uh, I think we'll end it with that. That's a pretty bold and awesome way to end this interesting episode um guys follow us on instagram at yeah. new mindset pod um www.newgenmindset.com um we've got a facebook page too at new gen mindset pod um and we're working on a youtube channel too so yeah stick it'll be out yeah exactly it's gonna be out soon uh the website follow us subscribe you, you subscribing you don't have to create an account all you do is connect it through your facebook and then you can get information when we release podcast episodes uh new uh, blog uh, news articles or forums especially if you want to be in the investment world it, it, it's good to be part of a community because you 100%. get I, you get perspectives yeah exactly man so guys Thank you so much for listening. This was awesome, Nick. I love doing this with you, man. And uh, guys, anytime you get new information, don't just, don't be quick to judge. Don't be quick to judge. Anyway, we'll see you next week. We'll see you in a few weeks. We'll see you soon. Stay safe, everybody. We'll get through this.
Ciao, guys.